Anyways, we're starting a new series. It's called Committed. We're starting it because right after Easter, uh, the, the first Easter, right after Jesus died and rose from the dead, he walked amongst people, uh, he spent time with disciples, he, he uh, experienced life with them, then he died on a cross, putting all sin and death to, uh, uh, to death, and then he rose from the grave saying, just so you know, I've conquered everything and now there's no reason why you can't know my life and why you can't know perfect community with the Father, and then in doing that, he, he told his disciples, just so you know, there's a gift that's coming to you. It's the Holy Spirit, and the Holy Spirit's going to baptize you, and, and you'll be empowered and strengthened. You'll speak in new tongues. It's going to be amazing. And I'll, I'm excited for you, so wait for that gift. And then they wait for that gift, and, and the, that gift comes, and then soon after that, the church starts. And there's one phrase that we're going to be returning to a few times in this next few weeks, and the phrase is in Acts 2.42. It's the first three words of it in most translations. It says, they devoted themselves. So, that, so Jesus came and walked, yes. No Christian church can exist if they don't know that Jesus came and walked. They also can't exist if they don't know that Jesus died on a cross, putting all sin to death so that we could have perfect communion with the Father. Also, they believe in the resurrection of Jesus because that, that shows that Jesus was not just some cool guy, but actually God in flesh. That, that's what every Christian uh, church believes as well. And that the Holy Spirit comes, but not every Christian church uh, also has people who devote themselves. So when the church starts and the church launches in the, right after Jesus came, it doesn't just happen just because Jesus died and rose again and then came back. It doesn't just happen because the Holy Spirit comes and baptizes people. It's because after that, people devoted themselves, committed themselves to the work that God wanted to do through them in the place that they were in. And all of a sudden, many, many people were reached and saved. And so in the next few weeks, I hope that we uh, get, get to a place where we have discovered a little bit about what be, a commitment looks like to the local church. What, what it looks like for our hearts and our lives to be committed to the work that God is doing here and in this space and, and through Northgate. And I don't mean just through Northgate in, in one city or in two cities. I mean, what is God doing through Northgate? If you're here and you're interested, you're taking part in this, my prayer is not that you would just be someone who comes and looks and goes, that's neat and that's fun and I feel inspired and away I go with the rest of my life, but that God would actually, through this series, start to place a burden on your heart that it's not just that Jesus died really again and the Holy Spirit came into your life and that that's all, but he actually wants you to commit to the work that God is doing here. He wants to draw something out in you that you would say, I, I, I want to be part of what is going on at Northgate. Or maybe it's not Northgate. Maybe it's some other church, maybe a different place. Every church needs people who would devote themselves. They would commit themselves. I was looking up what does commitment uh, mean? in the, in the uh, dictionary. Where do we go with that? By the way, I tried to find a, a, a translation that says, and they committed themselves rather than they devoted themselves. I basically didn't, but I've done a whole series before called Devoted. So I was like, I can't do devoted again, so we're gonna run with committed, which basically means the same thing as devoted. Here's what I found every time I looked up committed. It talks about a deep love and a deep loyalty. A deep love and a deep 
loyalty. In other words, for the disciples or apostles who were empowered and strengthened by Jesus, who knew his life, knew his death, knew his resurrection, and had been empowered by his Holy Spirit and to live a new life, they all knew, yes, a deep love and a deep loyalty to the work that God was doing. Sometimes I think that word probably is a little bit harder for us to swallow. In our culture right now, loyalty is not really that strong of a word. Loyalty sometimes means that we actually carry on with something even when we don't feel the love, even when we're not feeling it, even when we're not feeling like this is all awesome and all perfect and all amazing. Commitment says it's not just about the feelings I have, it's about the loyalty. It's about my decision to follow, not just the feelings I have of being part of this thing that God seems to be doing at Northgate. believe that the local church will be stronger because Christians commit to the local church. I also believe that people will be stronger in their faith because they commit to the local church. God's greatest work for this church requires more than just your feelings. God's greatest work that he was going to do required more than just the apostles saying, oh, it feels so nice Jesus died and rose again, and for me, and this is awesome. It required them to, beyond just their feelings, commit to the move of God, devote themselves to one another and to the church that existed at that time. I once had a uh, pre-marriage counseling session with someone. As we were chatting about marriage and, and, and considering things, I asked this one question. I think I've shared this before, but I asked the, I asked the question, what is a good reason for you to get divorced? And, it, and I, know, I know scripturally sort of where, where it would go, and, 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 and just so you know, like, uh, this isn't saying like if you're in a s- sick and unhealthy or broken or, 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 uh, or you're in danger in your marriage, that you should just stick in. But I, I just wanted to know, what, what would it take for you to get divorced? What would, what would be the thing that you go, there it is, that's the final straw. We can no longer coexist. We can no longer be growing in this marriage. We can no longer be developing any for anymore forward. That is the final straw. And the, the bride-to-be says, here's, here's, here's my answer. When I don't feel in love anymore. Day two. <laughs> maybe week two, month two. And if you're really, really lucky, maybe year two. See, when you commit to marriage, it's not committing to feeling a certain way. It's committing to being a certain thing even when you don't feel a certain way. It's committing to continuing to be the person who fights for that thing even when the feelings don't match. And so when people devoted themselves to the church and to one another after Easter, when people devoted themselves to what God was doing, it wasn't them saying, I will feel good about this for the rest of my life. It was them saying, whether or not I'm feeling it in the moment, I'm committing to this move. I'm devoting myself myself to this move and devoting myself to the people in this move and devoting myself to the leaders in this move and devoting myself to the city in which this move is happening. I am committed to being involved in that. I think the church is sometimes missing out on that right now. 
I think sometimes the church is forgetting and the people of the church are forgetting that commitment is probably what God wants to use. He used it then for the church to start and wants to use it now for the church to move forward. That it's going to be when people commit past the, 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 the feeling of having a perfect sermon or, or having the perfect people around or having the perfect worship music, or the perfect moment, whatever it might be that, that God is not asking you to say, go to the church that has the worship music that makes you feel warm and fuzzy. That is the one for you. Go to the church where the pastor dresses the way you like and says the things you like and, and does the thing. That's what you should do. That is how you are going to grow in your faith the most is when you go to the church where everything fits you so well and makes you feel really good. Now, I'm not saying that you should, if you're looking for a church right now, you should go to the one that feels the worst. If you find a church and it feels great, then, then go there. But what I am saying is that once you go there, commit yourself to it. Say, I, I'm gonna be here. I'm gonna fight for this. I'm gonna believe for this. I'm gonna stand beside you. And for the next few weeks, we're gonna have some interviews with a number of people from within the church who have been around for a while and have stuck through some very different, challenging times in the church and what it's meant for them and what it's meant for our church. And we're, and we're uh, interviewing them because there's something so important about us rediscovering this concept of commitment in the local church. Commitment to the local church. Why would, would, would we need to have the word devoted themselves or committed themselves? Why would we even need that in scripture unless that was really hard? Deep loyalty? Why do I need deep loyalty? Because sometimes you're not gonna be feeling the love. Why do I need to be deeply loyal to this movement? How about as long as it all feels good, then I'm, then I'm good? That's not scriptural. Scripture doesn't teach us that as long as it all feels just perfect for you, then you're good. See, all of us at some point face a turning point. Now, some of you aren't Christians, and you're just popping in. Just so you know, you get a pretty free pass right now. You're just checking things out. You're not even sure where you stand with Jesus right now. Well, I, I don't even know where I'm at, so, so do I have to commit to No, we wouldn't ask you to commit to something before you've, you, you've committed to Jesus, which we'll talk about in a second. But if you today say, I'm committed to Jesus, and Northgate's my church, I want to encourage you to now make the commitment to that church that, that goes beyond how you feel just in this moment, but says, I'm going to be with this church. Whether I'm feeling it or not, I'm going to be part of the solution when there's problems. I'm going to be part of finding the way forward when it feels like we're not finding the way forward. I'm not going to skip town and find the other one that seems to be moving forward. I'm going to commit here and to this house and to these people and to this time, even when I've got a bit of a challenge with that person and the past, this one pastor that they hired, uh, that one's kind of rubbing me the wrong way. That song that they're playing, I'm not really sure about it. I'm gonna be committed to being part of the solution and moving this thing forward. Whenever we hit this turning point, say, I I'm not sure if I agree with that part of the church. I'm pretty sure God can do more with your commitment than your criticism. And yet, we so often just quickly turn to criticism. We usually call it discernment. We say, I'm just discerning because that pastor's terrible. 
I'm just discerning because they're saying all these things. That, or sometimes we call that, that lack of commitment calling. Well, I'm called to be, you know, this over, all over the place. I'm called to move to this and to this, to this. And that maybe that is your thing. And I bet there's a very, very, very few people who maybe that is actually what God wants uh, to, to do in their lives. But when I look in Scripture, that's not what I see. When I look at the church building up and in Philippi and Thessalonica and Corinth and Ephesus and Rome, I don't see all of these floaters just traveling around. Even Paul, who's traveling literally around, was sent by a church because he was committed to that church. I don't see people just going, I don't like this, I'm out, I'm, I don't like this, I'm out, I don't like this, I'm out. They were devoted to one another. They devoted themselves to the church. So for the next few weeks, we're going to look at what me, your pastor, what I would believe your devotion to uh, Northgate, your devotion to Jesus through Northgate might look like. I want to invite you to a journey, but first I want to introduce you to someone. And this person uh, is going to, we did a little interview with this person, and uh, she's kind of going to kind of going to knock your socks off, uh, like she regularly knocks my socks off. And uh, I, I hope that she inspires us towards this idea of being committed, of being devoted, of walking with Jesus in Northgate to, to accomplish whatever it is that he wants to do through us. So check out this interview. I think you better cut some of Good morning, Northgate. Hey, this is Joshua here. I am so excited to be here with you guys this morning. We got a little bit different of a setup uh, that we got here. If you haven't noticed by all the books and all the different surroundings we have, we are in the big man's office today. If you're wondering who the theological mind is behind all these books, it's Pastor Evan. Today, I have a very special guest today. Her name is Ruth Fox. And if you guys don't know Ruth, she is a legend. I'm telling you guys right now, she's been part of this church for many many years and when we first think of commitment uh, Ruth is one of the first people that come to mind so we're so excited just ask her some questions today about what it looked like for her to be committed because a lot of times we see the what uh, behind what people do we see the physical things uh, but we want to hear a little bit more of the why the heart behind uh, the things that a lot of Ruth has done and invested uh, into this church so so happy to be with you here today um, Ruth so I want to start off with a with the question here um, and ask you what year uh, did you and your husband first come to Northgate Church? It was um, October 6, 1968, long before you were born. Long before. <laughs> You're right. You're right. <laughs> For those of you that don't know, um, Ruth and her husband uh, were the pastors here. Um, at Northgate uh, for many years. So how many years was it that you and uh, Pastor Fox were pastoring here at the church? 25 years. 25. To the day. To the day. To the day. Wow, there <laughs> it is. That's so, that's so awesome. And obviously, 25 years, um, and that brings us, it was in the 60s that that happened. It brings us all the way to today. Um, so how many pastors have you seen throughout the course of you starting here first when you first came and then all the way until now? Oh... Uh, there's been four. Obviously, with all the different leadership, all the different people uh, that you've seen come through the church, um, I'm sure the church looks a lot different now um, than it did from when you when you were first here and when you guys first started. Um, so I'd love to hear from you. What would you say are some of the most significant differences between the church when you first came here uh, compared to now? Well, there has been a lot, a lot of changes. Yeah. 
Music certainly changed. We came from hymn books to overhead and now to um, um, beautiful worship too. But it's all, it's all been a change and that's one thing you have to do is go with the change because yeah. that's progress. Everything yeah. changes, that's nothing's true. the same. Yeah, That's awesome. So what would you say then um, has compelled you to stay here? Because obviously you've been committed for, for many years now. What would you say is that has compelled you to stay um, at Northgate and be so committed to the vision amidst all the changes and the differences? What, what has that been for you? Well, I think my heart is here. Mm. And when we were here, we poured into this um, area, our love and support and our strength and energies. And um, there's always ups and downs and everything, mm-hmm. you know, so you have to learn to flow with the punches. Yeah. Yeah, learning to flow. I love that you said your heart is here. Yeah. Um, so amidst changes, you know that this is your heart, that this is where God, God's called you, stayed committed. I think yeah. that's, that's so cool and so inspiring even to, to hear and, and see that. And for, for you now, what does your involvement look like um, in church? As I'm sure it looks different than it did um, way back when you started. What does your involvement look like uh, at church now? I'm involved with the Young at Heart. Awesome. And um, we meet on Zoom which is a new thing for me. And uh, it's not as great as being together, but it's good to see and be with each other. That's awesome. I think it even shows um, just your commitment to and ability to, obviously Zoom is something that you probably never heard of. Many of us have never heard of Zoom right. uh, before in the, in the last year. So I think that, yeah, I think that shows, shows commitment and willingness to, to be there in, in the midst of yeah. change in that way. And I hear as well uh, from Pastor Evan that another role that you feel here uh, at the church is um, being an encourager and being an encouragement uh, to our pastors. Can you share a little bit um, about what that looks like for you and what that means to you? Well, I really do have a heart for the pastors, having been there and realize the um, weight and the, and the responsibility and what is entailed. And so I feel like I like to encourage them in different ways. I certainly pray for them, pray for all of their families, for their children, because the children are so important. And it's always a joy to um, write emails, and I sometimes give people little cards of thanks and appreciation and um, just to let them know that they are appreciated. So cool that obviously you were able to see the other side of leadership when you when you first came here, leading the church, and how you're still in that place where you're encouraging the other people and championing them. Yeah. Um, no, no matter who it is uh, in that position. So I think that's that's so awesome and even shows your commitment. And I think for everyone listening as well, we can all agree um, that you're someone that's committed. Um, you're you're someone that's committed to the vision um, and and to the to where God has been God has been calling you. Um, so for you, why do you think it's important? Uh, for somebody to stay committed to their to their local church? Well, I think it gives them stability in their lives and stability in uh, the church too, without um, a lot of movement and coming and going. I think it um, uh, stabilizes and it certainly gives me a stability that I don't have to 
change here, change there, change there. But I just flow with what's going on. Well, speaking uh, of the local church family, uh, we are going to move on uh, with the rest of our service here today. But it has been such an honor uh, having you here today uh, with us, Ruth. Uh, we're just so happy um, that you're here with us, happy about your commitment. And uh, yeah, we're excited um, that, you're, that you've been joining with us uh, for, for all these years. Um, before we transition, would you uh, pray for us? Just pray for the church as we, as we move into the, the sermon today. Okay, thank you. And I appreciate your kindness. Gracious God, we are overwhelmed with your love and your blessing that you daily load us with. We thank you, Lord, for this avenue of prayer and of supplication, and we, we thank you that we can come to you at all times, Lord, and we worship you. And we do, uh, at this time, remember this church, Lord, this Northgate Church that is in this community and I pray that you will bless um, the outreach and all those that are, are working so hard Lord for your kingdom. I pray that you'll bless um, the neighborhood and may it uh, be a witness Lord and a strength to each one that lives around here. We thank you for the gift of the pastors that you've given us Lord we are so grateful, so grateful, Lord, for their love, their commitment, and their um, enthusiasm, and, and their many talents, Lord, that are uh, daily given, shown to us. And we ask, Lord God, that you will just bless their families, bless Pastor and Kendall, and their three children, Isabella, all of Hardy and Nola, Lord. Bless them, Lord, as they grow, and bless them as a family. Encourage their hearts. Put a hedge of protection about them, Lord, and just care for their lives, Lord. And uh, we pray for a great outpouring of your Spirit, Lord, upon them and upon um, each one of the pastors, Lord, for Josh that works with the youth, Lord, and and Moses and, and Samara, Lord, these young people that are so precious to you. I pray you'll just bless their lives and fill them with great grace and power and majesty, Lord, and, and the, the ability, Lord, to uh, do what you have for them, Lord. Bless them. And we pray for Brian and Angie, Lord, and their three little girls, Lord, that you will bless them. And thank you, Lord, for them that they have come to be with us, Lord, and make up this team. And we pray, Lord, for Bob, Rob and Chelsea and their, their little boys, Lord Jesus, that you will just bless them and help them in that Port Alverney area, Lord, and encourage and strengthen their hearts, Lord, and give them many souls. And may the power of God be in that community, Lord, as they work for you. And we pray for Daniel and Mariah, Lord, and bless their marriage, bless their work with the interns, Lord, and that these young people, Lord, will be a, a future blessing and encouragement and a ministry, Lord, in their lives, Lord, as they've given of themselves, Jesus. And we pray for Jan, Lord, that you'll be with 
her, Lord, and strengthen her life, Lord. And we thank you for her spirit of love and joy and peace. And she brings such beauty with her. And as they all work together, God, I pray that you will bless them. Bless them in their unity. Bless them in their um, programming, Lord. Bless them as they work with you, I pray in Jesus' name. And we give you glory and praise for them in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Thanks for praying for us, Ruth. And thank you guys for joining us. And uh, enjoy the rest of the service. I don't know what, I don't know what you think of that moment. For me, I, I, uh, we were looking at it. Whenever we do an interview, we usually make a few cuts and tidy some things up along the way. And when we asked Ruth to pray for us at the end, sort of figured she, Lord, bless Northgate, amen, kind of thing. And she, she prayed for every one of our pastors by name. And she knew uh, my kids' names. She knew that Pastor Rob and Chelsea live in Port Alberni and have three boys and that Pastor Brian and Ange have, have their three girls. And uh, she, she, she mentioned every person's name uh, through that who, who's, who's on our, our ministry staff. And <laughs> to, to me, I just can't, I, I, as your pastor, I don't even know what to do with Ruth Fox sometimes. I just gotta tell you that. I sometimes don't even know what to do with her because it, sometimes people would think that, that Northgate has a specific culture because of the lead pastor. I need you to know that Northgate has a specific culture because of Ruth Fox and that type of people. But often people ask me like, how have you gotten everyone, the multi-generations to work together? How have you done that? And for me, I always say, well, I haven't. Ruth Fox has done that. And she doesn't like being talked about all the time, but I just have to, just this week, Ruth, I just, just this week, I need to mention you because when I showed up to the church, I was the fourth pastor that, that Ruth had seen since she and her husband finished pastoring. They pastored for 25 years. I want you to know something. When you're the lead pastor of a church, you're pretty sure that you're doing it the right way. You're pretty sure that how you're building church is the way that it should be done. If, if not, you have the authority to change it, and so you change it. Ruth and her husband thought that they were pastoring the church the right way for 25 years. And so uh, in, in your mind then, if anyone comes in and changes it, then they, if you are doing it the right way, they must be doing it the wrong way. Ruth watched four different pastors come, change it, change it, change it, probably do it the wrong way in comparison if they were doing it the right way and every single time she championed them on and said God is working through you he's moving through you I'm here I'm for you I'm back in Northgate I believe God is doing something here in this place now for me when I hear that I think I have no excuse to ever ever drop my commitment level if Ruth Fox can do what she does I, I had every intention of believing that some, when I'd show up to this church six years ago, I've been here six years. She's been here 53 years. I had every thought that when I show up, some people might, might sort of push back. Oh, you're changing things. Are you doing things differently? You're making it look different. You're not representing us. And then I met Ruth Fox, and she's championing me, saying, this is different. This isn't something we've ever known. This is a little bit different than we've experienced. And I'm for you. She writes me emails. 
and tells me how impacted she is by my sermons. Hold up, she's 60 years my senior. She finished ministry uh, when I was like barely born. She, she was wrapping up ministry. Like this, this woman decided that she was gonna be so committed to what God was doing at Northgate that she could champion someone 60 years younger than her and write him emails and cheer him on. I've never heard her say anything about critical about how I'm leading the church. Can you even fathom that? You see, sometimes we think spiritual maturity is when we're able to identify the, the heretic in the room or we're able to identify the bad preaching. Whoa, 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 he said that about this? Oh, whoa, I'm spiritually mature. I know that the Bible doesn't say that. Spiritual maturity is not when we can identify the bad in the room. There's non-Christians. There's people who've never entered a church. They can identify the bad in the room. They can walk in and they can say, that's a lie, that's untrue, that's not good. They didn't treat me right, that's not good. The Christian maturity comes when you say, I'm not here to identify all the wrongs and decide if I'm going to be part of this church. I'm here to mine the good, and I'm going to dig until I find something good, and I'm going to try to grow it in this church. Christian maturity is not identifying the bad. That's just humanity. If you can see something wrong with Northgate... Welcome to the world. <laughs> Welcome to living. I could ask any of my kids, I could ask my four-year-old what's wrong with Northgate. She'd probably know what's going on. So do you, if you, spiritual maturity is not once you can identify something wrong with the church. Spiritual maturity looks a lot more like a woman who's about to turn 96 years old and is, is championing someone who's 30, 60 years younger than her and saying, I believe in what you're doing and I don't think my criticism is going to move you nearly as far forward as my commitment to this church. And so I want us to be in that kind of level of commitment. So how did she do it? How did Ruth Fox do something like that? How did she commit? How did the disciples and the apostles commit? Well, it's not because they first committed to the church. It's because they first committed to Jesus. Let's go and look at this right before the phrase, they devoted themselves. From this point on, we're going to look after that phrase. But today, we're going to look just before that phrase. Acts 2, 4, uh, 36 to 41 says this. And it was right after uh, Jesus died, rose from the dead, uh, ascended, uh, left, the Holy Spirit came, baptized the uh, apostles. Peter preaches on the street uh, to all these people who are just criticizing him and saying he must be drunk. And who are these people? And oh, crazy, crazy folks. And then here's what Peter says. says, therefore, let all Israel be assured of this. God has made this Jesus, whom you crucified, both Lord and Messiah. When the people heard this, now think of who the people are. The people are Jews who have come and traveled to Jerusalem for Passover to experience uh, this very Jewish festival. And now uh, it was the Jews who put Jesus on the cross. And now Peter's saying, hey, all of you who just killed Jesus, you did it. You, you're guilty. You just killed the king of kings, the one who God said is our Messiah and our Lord. You killed him. Isn't that right? Like this isn't the popular opinion. This isn't the way that everyone's thinking. They're all thinking, finally, we got rid of the criminal. And Peter walks out filled with the Spirit and says, you killed Jesus. Powerful sermon. When the people heard this, they were cut to the heart. Come on, that's a work of the Spirit. They were cut to the heart and said, Peter, and to Peter and the other apostles, brothers, love it. Instantly, they're like, brothers, 
hey, hey we're, we're, we're together, right? Brothers, what shall we do? And when the church is gonna move forward, there's gotta be a move of the Spirit like that. And it's come and it's happened, it's available to every Christian church, it's available. Peter replied, repent and be baptized, every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sin and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. The promise is for you and your children and for all who are far off, for all whom the Lord our God will call. And it says this, with many other words, he warned them and he pleaded with them, save yourself from this corrupt generation. And those who accepted his message were baptized and about 3,000 were added to their number that day. The very next verse says, they devoted themselves. See, when, when the church is about to launch and devotion to the church and devotion to the movement and devotion to one another in that movement was about to happen, first, people were getting devoted to Jesus. First, people were recognizing that, 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 that this Jesus required their everything. We killed Jesus, yes, and, and, and no one around. Like, think about the situation. Like, you're listening to this crazy guy who everyone just said was a drunk. You're listening to him. He's speaking. Something's happening in your heart, and you know that the, the very people in this crowd not long ago killed the Jesus that he's talking about, and if you raise your hand and say, I'm in, very likely they could also kill you, and yet they're all like, what do we need to do? do we're what we need to follow Jesus we believe we believe and he says okay well then let's go public with this it's time to baptize you it's time to make this a public declaration of your commitment to Christ you're going to get committed to the church but first let's get committed to Christ worship team you can come on up how incredible that moment would have been and so though for the next few weeks I want to talk about what commitment to the move of God here through Northgate looks like. Because if this is your church, I'm going to be calling you to commitment to it. If it's not your church, then I'm going to be calling you to commitment to whatever church is your church. If you're not a Christian, here's your moment. Because God's, God's about to do something in our midst God's about to move something forward in our midst. God's about to push, push the church forward in a, in a new way. I really believe that. I believe that that's why God has given us this. It's going to require the commitment of those who have committed to Christ. And so today, if you say, well, I haven't committed to Christ. I haven't committed my life to Jesus. I don't, I don't even know where I stand with him. I don't know where, where I'm at with him. Well, here's the great news. Peter, when he talked to people who had just killed Jesus, they said, what do we do? Like, how do we make it right? And he says, say sorry, turn to him. That's it. That's all it was. Turn to him. Repent. Turn to him. Confess your sin. Turn to him. Yeah, but I, I did all these bad things. He died because of me. Yes, he did. And he chose that before you ever did those bad things to him. And he also died for the things you're about to do to him. He died for the things that later on when you mess up. He died for those things too. What do I do then? Repent. Turn to him. Today, maybe that's the decision you need to make. You get to be in a spot of saying, well, I, 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 God, Jesus, I, I just want to turn to you. I want to follow you. 
And the great news for a preacher like me is it has nothing to do with my words. Peter was, was literally, right before he started preaching, the very people who were gonna give their life to Jesus were the ones who were saying, he's a drunk, he doesn't, he, he doesn't have, I don't know who he is, I don't know what he's doing, they're mocking him, and all of a sudden the Holy Spirit starts moving through Peter, and as the Holy Spirit starts moving through Peter, people are like, what do we need to do to get saved? And so I don't have to do the right thing right now, but right now, if the Holy Spirit is speaking to you, you're saying, I think I need to respond. Here's your response. Confess your sin, repent. Turn from your way of living. Turn from your understanding that you think is all right and turn to the way that Jesus is going to invite you to walk. Commitment to him says, I'm committed beyond when I'm just feeling it. I'm committed to believing you have the best for me. I'm committed that if you give me a different way of living that I didn't understand, if when I'm reading the Bible, all of a sudden I'm challenged by what it says, I'm gonna follow that rather than what I have thought was right all up until now. I'm committing to you for my life. I'm committing, if you call me into, into selling everything and giving it to someone, I, I'm committing to that. If you call me uh, into a lifestyle that I didn't choose, I, I'm committing to that. If you call me into celibacy and walking as a single for the rest of my life, I'm committing to that. If you call me into going to a different country, I'm committing to that. If you call me to never make a whole lot of money, I'm committing to that. If you call me to the stage, I'm committing to that. If you call me to clean toilets, I'm committing to that. Right now, Jesus, I just know that something is stirring in my heart and I need to commit my life to you before I'm ever gonna be able to commit myself to a church. So I wanna pray for you quick and then I have something for someone else. Lord, today for those who, who just feel you stirring in their heart, you're saying, come to me, come to me, come to me. Hey, hey. Yeah, you've lived a life that was against me. You've lived a life that, that, that doesn't deserve grace and forgiveness, but that's what grace and forgiveness is all about. If you're, if, if, if God, what those who are feeling that right now, I just pray as you're speaking and you're leading them, that they would make this full decision. This, this isn't like a momentary thing of just go, ah, I think there's something nice. No, 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 this would be about a commitment, a commitment to the lifestyle you invite them to, a commitment to the decisions with their finances that you invite them to, a commitment to the decision with their friends that you invite them to, a commitment to raising their kids a certain way, a commitment to following through with the, the, expectation, or the expectations that you place on their life. Life, a commitment to you no matter what that means. Seal that in them right now. Come on, some of you are just feeling that right now. Jesus just meeting you, inviting you into relationship. Peter goes on though and says, if, it, if that's your commitment, get baptized. Get baptized. And you heard today, in our announcements, you heard us talking about baptism. If you didn't, stay to after the service. You'll hear about us talking about baptism. Baptisms are coming up. We want to do those. And, and those are basically that public moment of declaration saying, I have indeed committed my life to Jesus and I want to follow him. If you don't live in Courtney or Port Alberni, still contact us. Let's figure out how we can get you baptized and how we can get you making that public declaration of your faith. We are going to do it. It's going to be happening in a few weeks. And so we want you to sign up and we'll follow up with you, you need to get baptized. If you've committed your life to Jesus and have not been baptized, it's biblical. Let's do it. Let's get you baptized. And then the, the third group I think that I just want to talk to, we're going to be talking to you for the next little while, is those who, who have, have 
said, yes, I follow Jesus, I'm committed to Jesus, but I'm committed to him on a sort of freelance basis. I'm committed to him, I'll, I'll pop in here and I'll pop in there because, because it's most important that I offer my gifts in a real sporadic way because I don't want to limit the potential of another church by them not getting me and not getting me to touch base over there. And if I don't go there, then they might miss out. No, 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 I, I believe God is asking you to open up your heart to say, could it be the commitment to a local church is actually your calling in the kingdom? Sometimes we think, oh, I'm called to kingdom work, and that means I'm called to not be committed to a specific leader or a specific group or a specific people so that we don't have to have disagreements and we don't have to wrestle through things and we don't have to have, have tension. We don't have to have those things. God is maybe saying to you that the greatest thing that he can do through you is gonna be when you offer your devotion and your commitment, not just to him, but to the church that he's put in front of you. And so I want, to, I want to invite you, if you say, I'm a Christian, and I really believe in what God's doing at Northgate, and, and I do feel called here, I want to invite you to, to, to reach out. And, and uh, this week, we're going to be doing a little Zoom about membership and letting you know a little bit about what, what, what membership would look like. Some of you are like, no, no, I don't like membership. That sounds like commitment. Hallelujah. Yes, it does. I used to think, well, that, that, I, don't, I don't know the value in membership and what does it actually offer, but man, I, God's been searching my heart, convicting my heart about that lately. And he wants you to make that spiritual step. I really believe that. And he wants you to, to, to be in a place of, uh, of saying, pastors, I'm with you. We're gonna talk about that in a couple weeks. Small group and friendships, I'm with you. We're gonna talk about that in a couple weeks. We need someone to serve, I'm there. I'll do it, I wanna walk that out. And so maybe God wants to break something in you and allow you to commit even to the point of, of membership. If so, love to have you sign up, chat with you a little bit more about that. But let's just pray as God prepares our heart for the next five weeks and we consider what is this, what are we meant to be open to as we look to devote ourselves, commit ourselves to the work of God through a local church. <laughs> Thank you, Lord, that we are not the only local church that serves you. In fact, there are millions. Thank you, Lord, that we're not even the only local church that, that loves you and serves you in just the Comox Valley and Port Alberni. There are, there are dozens. Lord, I thank you that you don't say one church is better, oh, that one's better, and that one you should go to. You, you're not doing that, Lord. And yet, for some reason, people who are here right now, they, they have felt a call at some point to be part of this. They, they have been connected a little bit. There's something going on. Lord, I just pray that that connectedness would start to turn to commitment. Because through commitment, there's discipleship that can happen. And through commitment, there's, there's stability for the church. Thank you for Ruth Fox who just says con, uh, committing uh, provides stability for that one who commits and also for the church who has those people committed. Lord, I thank you that you want to work through the committed people like you did in the early church. And yet, Lord, it's not through words that I can give just like what happened at Pentecost. It's through your conviction that leads to commitment. 
So God, I just pray that you convict our hearts the right way. Not condemning, not making us feel guilty, but just, just drawing us in to the decisions that you have for us. Because we just trust that you know what's best for us. Show us how to pray that. Show us how to welcome that. Show us how to be led by you. Show us, Lord, how to be a thriving church with people as devoted as the early church apostles and disciples were devoted. That we might see cities come to know you because of the way we love, because of the way we walk this out, because of the way that we're loyal even when we don't feel the love. Teach us, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray.